Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life, to banish the years of yo-yo dieting, heal your relationship with food, make lifelong changes to your health by learning evidence-based nutritional techniques with self-compassion, mindfulness and behaviour change to feel more accepting and confident both in your mind and your body. We'll likely be adding a little bit of feminism, some sass and some humour along the way. I hope you enjoy and thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. You are joined by me, your host, and as always, the most delightful sidekick, Edith. And you know, (laughs) I recognise now, as we are just past her third birthday, I introduce her in fear that she may make herself heard. But actually... I'm pretty sure she knows the drill by now. Either that, or I just time it right each week. (laughs) Whatever the case, she is here. And let's be honest, she is the party starter. (laughs) Actually, it was her birthday, as I mentioned, just a couple of weeks ago. And let me tell you, I've never got so much traction (laughs) on my Instagram stories as when I put an abundance of photos of Edith throughout the time we've had her. I was like, well, this is a way to drive conversation. So I'm absolutely here for it. Anyway, I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, you're having a wonderful day so far. And knows if you're not, it will pass. You're human, you're allowed to feel. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that many people can get confused with. If you have ever been to a slimming club, like say Slimming World, Weight Watchers, or ever had a coach that has asked you to weigh yourself each week in a fat loss phase, and then felt potentially frustrated, annoyed, and left questioning your actions if either the scales didn't change or maybe went up one week, this podcast is for you. We are going to be talking about the difference between fat loss and weight loss and whether or not you could lose fat without losing weight and consequently whether you can gain weight without gaining fat. Diet culture and many methods have people solely focus on the scales as their metric to determine if they are making progress. To the point where, unfortunately, some groups even celebrate a loss and commiserate a gain. It's disgusting. And frankly, the most unhelpful way of measuring progress. And actually, doesn't give an entire view of your bodily changes, which we will come on to shortly. But with this compounding exposure, many can now hold a belief that their weight is the most important thing about them and adopt a belief that smaller equals better and any gain equals worse, failure. And it's what we know as internalised weight bias. 
when we are considering any healthful journey, your scale weight will fluctuate. And actually, a body that fluctuates is a sign of a joyful, wholehearted, connected, healthy life. Whereas a body that is meticulous in its scale weight and controlled is an obedient body to diet culture. Your body is meant to change. It is going to change with seasons, chapters of your life. But that change doesn't necessarily mean you are gaining body fat. Weight changes refer to changes in your overall body weight from muscle, water and body fat. Your body is around 60 to 70% water and so so many things can impact what we know as water retention. Whereas fat changes refer to changes from adipose stores. This is your body fat levels and is more specific when considering body changes. But the scales don't show fat changes alone. They show your entire weight. And forgive me, not even those fancy scales in the gym are accurate with your body fat levels. You need a DEXA body scanner. And they're around £30,000. And let me tell you, no commercial gym has got them installed. So if you're standing on a scales and holding the flipping handle like they make you do, and it's given you a reading of body fat levels, I can guarantee you now that if you put in a different height, a different age and stepped on them, you'd get a completely different body fat reading. They are so inaccurate. So fat loss is changes from adipose sites, visceral and subcutaneous fat storage. The lower amount of body fat you have, to some extent, the healthier you are. However, there is a point where body fat levels become too low. Competitors, bikini models, etc. We all need an amount of body fat. It's protective. It's supportive. It's required for hormonal health, metabolic health. But like everything, too much of something can cause repercussions. Fat loss looks completely different to weight loss. So the physiological process a fat loss occurs when fats are liberated from adipose sites into circulation to supply the needed energy, which is basically saying your body is utilizing fat stores as their main source of energy. If you are eating in a caloric deficit, maintaining a level of protein and resistance training, that will help your body utilize fat. If you are in a caloric deficit and not focusing on the uptake of protein and resistance training, your body will use muscle mass 
as its first source of energy. The reason being is muscle mass is more metabolically efficient than body fat. So you can lose weight, but actually not lose fat if you're falling into the latter. Fat loss is more specific and more of a healthful goal than weight loss for that factor alone. It contributes to greater metabolic health and more positive cardiovascular health outcomes. So you could be losing weight, but you could be losing lean tissue and maintaining body fat around your organs, around your lower abdominal area. However, when you're losing fat, you might not notice the changes on the scales directly. Because again, remember, there are so much that impacts the scales. But maybe your clothes fit differently. Maybe you have some more muscle definition. Improved well-being, better mood, energy levels. Improved sleep. Better appetite regulation. Improved health, fitness levels. Reduction in chronic pain. Maybe your body measurements are changing. Your waist is coming down. Your hips are coming down. Improved mobility. Improvements in blood pressure. Resting heart rate. You know what? You might even have your sex drive back. This, of course, is on the assumption you are on a fat loss journey under a registered nutritionist or an evidence-based coach, sorry, like myself who is supporting you with an inclusive diet, behavior change, mindset development, because if you're in a fat loss phase from a place of guilt and shame, no amount of fat loss will ever improve how you feel, mentally in particular, and you will not be noticing the qualitative outcomes that come with fat loss. And this is where you can get so wrapped up in the metrics and the data of quantitative, like the scales. But actually, when you're on a very healthful approach and you're doing so from a place of acceptance, you're reconnecting back to your body and you're able to recognize the changes he, she, they are making each and every day that's creating then action, increasing your confidence, increasing your self-worth. And actually, you're doing so with autonomy, with a method that is supportive and protective, with complete understanding. Weight loss. In the context of medicine, this is taken directly from Wikipedia, health or physical fitness refers to reduction of total body mass by a mean loss of fluid, body fat, adipose tissue, or lean mass, namely bone mineral densities, muscle, tendon, and other connective tissue. In essence, weight loss is a loss of anything. But as I mentioned before, our bodies are largely water-based. And so many things impact what we know as water retention. Water retention occurs as somewhat of a survival mechanism for your body. So your body has noticed a change and retains water. So, (laughs) and I mean, I'm laughing, but I used to fall into this as well. So if you relate, know that you're not alone. Say as an example, you've had a really poor night's sleep. Maybe you've got young ones 
And I'm thinking about one client in particular here. And I know she listens to the podcast. And I know she'll know that I'm talking about her now. And she really struggles with her sleep. And she's got two young girls. And a lot of the time on weekly check-ins, it's like a regular show of how poor her sleep's been. She is working on it though, working on it. But if you are sleep deprived, your body recognises that as a threat. A threat that you aren't rested. That you haven't potentially got what's known as your REM cycle of sleep, which is what we know as your emotional uh, first aid, where the brain gets rid of all the metabolic waste built up throughout the day. It's a really important part of your sleep. So your body goes into a survival state and your body retains water. In essence, and it sounds ludicrous, but to stop you dying, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do everything I can here to protect you. So it retains some water. But then you step on the scales and you see that maybe you're a pound up and you hate your body. And you hate your body because the scales have gone up, which is where we come full circle back to that internalized weight bias where you associate bigger with being less than. But actually, you haven't gained body fat. There's a change that was completely out of your control that caused a fluctuation in your water. You haven't gained a pound of body fat overnight. And I can guarantee you now, if the scales have gone up by a pound, your body has not changed. You know? So things that affect water weight, like I mentioned, sleep deprivation, stress levels, sodium levels, time you eat your last meal, hydration levels, hormone changes, emotional well-being, carbohydrate intake. And that is not me demonizing carbohydrates. Christ alive, please do not run away and say, Rebecca said carbohydrates are bad. They are not. They're the best things in the world. And let me tell you now, I love them. Imagine having a method that told you you can only eat two slices of bread a day. Imagine, friends, imagine. No, thank you very much. But here's the thing. If your last meal of the day has more carbohydrates in and you are eating it later than usual, for every one gram of carbohydrate you ingest, your body requires three grams of water to digest that. So it's going to present as more water weight, not fat gain. The time you weigh yourself, because Christ alive, who weighs themselves on a Monday after eating and drinking all day and doing so on different scales? Doesn't work. Environment, travel, um, training fatigue, um, so like delayed onset muscle soreness, or my clients, you're welcome for your new training programs that you love that may create that. <laughs> if you're underrested, all of these things and so much more can affect your water weight. So you can be in a fat loss phase, but say it's your time of the month. And your hormone fluctuations have caused some water retention because the scales may shift in an upward direction. This does not mean you haven't lost body fat because here's the key. Actually, fat loss is pretty linear. If you are in a consistent fat loss phase for at least 30 days, and I mean, including the weekends consistent, you will lose body fat in a relatively linear pattern based on the size of the deficit you create. But weight loss is not linear. And it will never be because of all of those factors I just mentioned that are frankly out of your control. But the challenge is, when you associate your scales 
with fat loss and you don't see the change, then what happens? Do you fall into all or nothing? Do you fall into emotional eating? Do you fall into malice body talk? Do you fall into body shame? Do you fall into excessive exercise? Do you fall into ordering the Domino's pizza out of guilt and shame because you are so annoyed with yourself? Because that's stopping your fat loss phase. The association that you have with the scales being the most important thing in your journey. They are not. And they are the most inaccurate and like I said, unhelpful metric that you can be using right now. And actually when you are on a very healthful journey, like I said, under an evidence-based coach, hi, you're able to look at the qualitative data and something that I get all of my clients to do. And I mean the clients that weigh themselves. All my clients have autonomy on whether they use the scales and you should too. You don't have to. Gosh, it's not the most important thing about you, shockingly, who knew? Is check in with how they're feeling beforehand. So do a bit of a a mental reflection on the week. How's your sleep been? How was your stress been? How was your nutrition been? How's your exercise been? How is your um, hormones? Like, where are you in the time of the month? Deep breath. How do you feel in yourself? How are your clothes fitting? And then rate that. Rate that out of 10. Like, where am I at the minute? So you might notice that actually you've had a really positive week with nutrition, like you've moved a bit more, you've been to the gym, Um, stress has been a little bit high because frankly you're an adult and that's just life. Yeah, you are a bit sleep deprived, you're feeling a little bit tired but that's okay. Um, You're looking forward to going out for dinner tonight and you've connected with friends. So you've had what you would classify as a positive week. So you've brought yourself back to the awareness of the behaviours that you have taken each and every day that are in pursuit of your goal, in line with your values, right? And frankly, that's a better measure of success and a better driver for quote-unquote motivation. And I hate that word, but you know what I mean? It's going to help you create action and help you keep going forward. Then you weigh yourself and maybe, I don't know, you've stayed the same. Or maybe, I don't know, you've gained a pound because you're knackered and you're sleep deprived. You've still got somewhat of the positive affirmations and the positive awareness of the actions you've taken. And then you're able to celebrate those wins because they, frankly, need celebrating more. Because the biggest change when we're considering any sustainable approach is not the goddamn scales moving. It's behaviour change. It's mindset development. It's your intentions and your self-awareness. That doesn't come from a £20 set of scales that you've just bought from Boots. That comes from doing the work and understanding. So how do you lose body fat? Sure, it is as simple as calories in versus calories out, right? We know the basic equation and I'm sick to death of hearing it thrown around. But when we're looking at the simplicity behind it, it is. Heat and fuel regulation. The biggest element is human behaviour. So one thing I would say, if you are feeling guilt, shame, lacking acceptance in your body, if you have any all or nothing thoughts around food, if you fall into emotional eating, binge eating, if you have any food on a hierarchy of pedestal, good, bad food, if you're trying to avoid food because you believe it's quote unquote bad, fat loss isn't right for you. It's not right right now. But that doesn't mean you can't lose weight. You can lose weight. But it's first laying the foundations for a fat loss phase. 
And that means working through your food relationship where you banish food guilt, quit the all or nothing, stop emotional eating. Have tools to self-regulate, build on self-awareness and self-confidence. Improve your body image by appreciating, accepting, recognizing the functionality. And I say this all the time, you wouldn't buy a house that didn't have foundations laid. Because the investment you make, I don't know, 200, 300,000, it's not going to be long-lived, right? You'll hang a picture on a wall and the wall will fall down. So why go into a fat loss phase when you haven't got the baseline foundations? And ultimately, fat loss should only be done once if you do it right. And this is coming from the person who spent years dieting, manipulating calories and trying to change her body, right? So I get it. But when you do it right, you do it once. And you do it right from a place of acceptance. And sometimes it means being a bit vulnerable, especially in the society we live in, to acknowledge where you're at right now, how you feel, to then be courageous with taking the action. But if you're sat there listening to this and thinking, no, my food relationship is optimal. I accept my body. I appreciate my body. I have no food guilt. I have no food avoidance. I don't call food good or bad. Like I'm ready for a fat loss phase. That's great. And this is what you do. Focus on eating adequate amount of protein to help with what we know as muscle protein synthesis. Hunger regulation, keeping you fuller for longer. That would look like 20 to 40 grams per meal, three to four times per day. We're looking at an average of 100 grams for females, 200 grams for males. If you're vegetarian, vegan, menopausal, that will be a little bit higher. If you want more specifics, just drop me a message. Ensure good quality and quantity sleep. Seven to nine hours is optimal. Eat enough fiber to support your healthy digestion, keeping you fuller for longer. So around about 30 different plants per week. Resistance training to create the stimuli within the muscle mass to retain lean mass. Day-to-day movement, walking for stamina, health, fitness, mood, energy. Reducing refined carbohydrates. Reducing, reducing, not removing. Refined carbohydrates tend to have a higher glycemic index, therefore causing greater spikes with your insulin and crashes in your blood sugar levels, affecting energy and your cognition. I said reduce, not remove. If you're eating Haribo all day in a caloric deficit, not only are you not going to be eating protein or fiber, but it's like shoving nitrous oxide in a mini. You'll crash. I mean, you'll zoom off and then you'll crash. Like have the Haribo, but have it every now and again. Opt for more nutrient-dense foods. And the reason I say this is because nutrient-dense foods, they tend to come with a greater volume. So you can get a lot of food for not a lot of calories, thinking ultra-processed foods. But you can get a lot of food for not a lot of calories, thinking plant-based foods, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, these sort of things. And a lot of the time we associate caloric deficit with solely like 12, like 1500 calories, 1600 calories or whatever, right? And if you've been in the fitness industry long enough, you've probably seen if it fits your macros thrown around, which is frankly ludicrous. Remember people used to just eat lettuce all day then to eat a Domino's at night. It was like a glorified binge restraint. And there was no amount of consideration to health 
when food choices were were considered, right? But actually, there's a massive area that's overlooked here, and that's food quantity. So there's a really cool study done on satiety and fullness between participants when a certain weight of food was given. So it's like 300 grams of strawberries, which was something, I don't know, like 100 odd calories, right? Now, they then looked at meeting the satiety and fullness that came with the 300 grams of strawberries in chocolate form. And actually, it was around about 300 grams of chocolate as well, which was, I don't know, something ludicrous, like two and a half thousand calories. So it wasn't necessarily that people felt full at a caloric value, but they felt full at a weight, a quantity of food. So if you're eating more fruit and vegetables, not only is that going to play into your thermic effect of feeding, slowing down your digestion, supporting your gut microbiome, keeping your digestive system nice and healthy, but you're going to get more food volume. And if you, like I said, go into a fat loss phase and don't concentrate on protein intake and resistance training, you will lose more lean mass than ideal. You will lose some lean tissue. It's inevitable in a fat loss phase, but this can be mitigated to an extent by doing what I just mentioned. And the muscle mass is more metabolically active and healthier than body fat. So your body will use muscle mass as your primary fuel source, which is why again, you can lose weight, but actually have the same amount of body fat. So as an example, if you took two people at 70 kilos, one focused on protein, resistance training, day-to-day movement, and was in a caloric deficit, and one just ate 15 sins and jack of potatoes and beans all day, they will have completely different body types, body shapes. I mean, they will anyway, because they're individual, but more so because one will have greater muscle mass and less body fat, whereas the second, the latter, who's just ate carbohydrates and tried to eat free food all day, will likely hold more body fat, and that's visceral fat held around your organs, which isn't healthy. And then how do you measure your success? For the love of God, stop only using the scales. And if you do, take more data throughout the week at the same time each day in the morning after you've been to the toilet and then take your weekly average so maybe it's like 70.5 70.3 70.6 70.2 70.7 add them all up divide them by however many you um you took get your average for the week Do not weigh yourself on a freaking Monday night after a day of eating and drinking, fully clothed, dying to go to the toilet. It's ludicrous. Ludicrous. And actually, I did did a really cool study myself to help clients once, some years ago now. I woke up in the morning, weighed myself, took a picture. Had a cup of coffee, weighed myself. I was two pound more from a cup of coffee. Now I know. I've been there as well. Swimming world for me used to be on a Monday, which is why I said a Monday. I used to try and starve myself all day and just drink. That weighs an amount, which is going to affect what you then see on the scales, right? So please stop doing that. But then consider how do your clothes feel? I know a lot of clients who have just come out of Christmas, they've been mentioning to me that their clothes still fit them. 
And actually one client said to me, she got a top on that didn't fit her before Christmas. And she doesn't use the scales. And she's working through her food relationship right now. Not even in a fat loss phase. And this is a really cool way of looking at qualitative metrics. And remember, clothes are meant to fit you, not you fit your clothes. So maybe you want to take body measurements bi-weekly. Like don't, for the love of God, do them weekly. (laughs) Take them every couple of weeks, every four weeks or something, right? You don't need to be meticulous every week with them. Do so around your waist, your hips, your chest, your legs, that sort of place. How is your fitness levels? I know I've got a couple of clients who recently started going to the gym and they've both come back and said how incredible their fitness levels are. Like just going for a walk, it doesn't take them anywhere near as long anymore, which is great. How's your libido? How's your sex drive? Can you have sex without light on anymore? These sort of things. How is your food preoccupation? Your energy levels, your mood. How is your ability to connect, to be present? If you're going out from food, are you sat there thinking about what you should or shouldn't be eating? Are you able to really be present? How is your self-awareness? Your emotional well-being? And these are so important when we're considering lasting change. Sustainable fat loss doesn't come from just implementing a calorie deficit. It comes from intentions, awareness and mindset. And to achieve sustainable fat loss, behaviour change has to be at the forefront of your mind. Focusing on the process and simultaneously enjoying and living your life. Going forward from failures, growing, learning, adapting. It isn't a sprint finish. And if it isn't done from a place of acceptance while it's nurturing your food and body relationship, it will only end in yo-yo dieting and weight regain. It's not magic, but doing the work is magic. If you do it correctly, because like I said, you do it right and you do it once. And maintaining a healthy level of body fat is so important. It helps with cholesterol, controlling inflammation. And actually several studies have linked higher fat to muscle ratio to chronic diseases like metabolic syndrome, heart disease and diabetes. Maintaining muscle mass also helps reduce menopausal symptoms, loss of bone mineral density, risk of osteoporosis, sarcopenia, other age-related mobility problems. But outside of that, if your food relationship and your body image is not optimal, that work first needs to come. Because if that work doesn't come, that will only end in further illness, more mentally than physically. And if you're listening to this now and you're ready for a fat loss journey or you're thinking, do you know what? I'd like to nurture my food and body relationship to stop the guilt, stop the all or nothing and actually have an approach that is supportive, is protective and considers fat loss long term. That's why I do what I do. When I went from 140 kilos to 53, there was nobody talking about weight maintenance and nobody talking about fat loss over weight loss. It was a patriarchal messaging, the thin ideal. Women had to look a certain way to be accepted, validated, worthy enough. It's ludicrous. Here we use evidence-based strategies with mindset development. Taking you through behaviour change. Understanding the fundamentals of your health 
of forming an approach that adds value to your life, that allows you, as I said, to simultaneously live your life. I will link my details for coaching in the show notes. And if you have any questions at all, please reach out. Thank you for listening.